Bankwide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you one more time, J-Pat. The final post-game of the season as the Canucks take down the Coyotes 5-4 in overtime in the Connor Garland revenge game. What an effort from Connor Garland on that game winner getting the hat trick in that as well. Yeah, three goals for Connor Garland. Wouldn't have predicted that prior to the game, given the kind of season that he's had, but uh, he was up for it on the final night of the regular season, two in the first period, one in the power play, and then uh, the three-on-three overtime winner, 119 into the extra session after the Canucks had flushed a three-goal lead, and it's kind of funny because that was the storyline for the first couple of weeks of this season, and to bring it full circle, it happened on night one in Edmonton, although they lost that one to Connor McDavid, who had a hat-trick, and the Oilers, and here on the final night of the regular season, the Canucks uh, let a three-goal lead get away. They Coyotes kept on chipping away and ultimately tied it late. But uh, yeah, Connor Garland set up by Miller and Hughes, uh, 119. And uh, Connor Garland finishes with 17 goals on the season. So uh, it's certainly better than the 14 that he started the night with, but uh, still shy of 20. And that's two seasons as a Canuck. And he has yet to hit the 20 goal mark. There were a couple of guys that were pushing for 40, and they came up a goal short as well. Elias Pettersson opened the scoring in the hockey game four on four. Uh, he's 39th of the season. And you thought, all right, he's on the scoreboard early. Maybe it's going to be a big finish for him. Uh, as it turned out, it wasn't, in fact, and uh, he had just that one point in the hockey game, and he had the turnover that led to the, the tying goal, uncharacteristic of Elias Pettersson, and Andre Kuzmenko uh, had a couple of points, but uh, not the goal that he needed to get to the 40-goal mark as well. So uh, this thing was not a pretty hockey game. Let's not try to sugarcoat it. Uh, we've done all 82 of them, uh, pregame, postgame, every game, and this thing, not a classic. Two teams that are headed nowhere in a hurry, and yeah, I mean, there were a lot of goals in the first period, but uh, it's kind of funny. I didn't make many notes in the first period because no, every, every score, every scoring <laughs> chance wound up in the back of the net. Yeah. A couple of penalties, but yeah, I mean, that's all. I don't even think I have a scoring chance written down here. Just a lot of goals. And you know, that's where I was going to go. Really. It looked like we were going to go running gun here in the first period. And maybe we were going to have a, a, an old fashioned shootout uh, for the final game of the season. Things calmed down a little bit, but more on the Canucks side as Arizona really took over uh, in the second period. And if you just look on the shots on goal alone, nine to one Arizona uh, scoring chances at 15 to two at five on five. And, you know, they were able to just get the one goal were the Yotes, but uh, to make it four three there. And really, I mean, I mean, the Canucks kind of fell asleep a bit there. And honestly, I think they're lucky to have pulled this one out in the end. Well, they are based on the shots, certainly, in the way that the game was played territorially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, scoring chances on the night were 27-15 in favor of the Coyotes. So essentially a two-to-one margin. And yet, saying that, the shots were 14-3 to for the Canucks when they scored their third goal of the night and made it a 3-1 hockey game. They had three goals. The Coyotes had three shots. And you thought... Like, look out, this thing is going to get Coyote ugly. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, Canucks did, definitely took their foot off the gas. Uh, and the Coyotes playing in front of their home fans, although there were a lot of Canuck fans there. Um, you know, and there, let's just, it's the mullet, so there weren't many fans uh, overall. But uh, whatever the case, uh, Arizona did seem to step up its game and, uh, you know, chipped away, got the one that you talked about in the second. I mean, Liam O'Brien started the night with one goal on the season, and he scores twice. And, you know, again, it just, that's kind of the way it went. Who didn't, who, you know, who was responsible for covering Liam O'Brien tonight? 
it wasn't a banner night for Tyler Myers. We said that uh, on a lot of nights throughout the season. Uh, I didn't think it was a great night for Nils Amon and Dakota Joshua and Brock Besser on their line as well. Uh, Besser had a couple of looks on the power play, but uh, that line got scored on the first two Coyote goals in the opening period, and it was that uh, Amon line. And then the, the, the goal late, I guess, you know, if you're Arizona, like it's four to one and you have no business being in the hockey game, and then they get the one with seven seconds left in the first, and they go to the locker room probably feeling a bit better about themselves. Hey, there's 40 minutes to go, only two goals down now. And that seemed to give them a little bit of a boost. And uh, again, I know it's game 82 and the Canucks aren't going to spend a lot of time reviewing the film of this one, but this is what we do on a nightly basis after every game. So, you know, we dive into everything that happens. There was a lot of Canucks standing around on that 4-2 goal. Uh, You know, Keller makes a nice play to find Boyd in front of the net. Uh, Again, Nils Amon just kind of standing there looking, but not looking in the right direction. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a flawed team. We know that. And you know, a lot of the warts on this Vancouver Canuck team sort of uh, were apparent. Now, did they end up winning the game? Sure they did. Does that hurt their draft stock? That was another theme for the night. Like, they were hoping for a little bit of help on the out-of-town scoreboard. Not only did they not get any, uh, they didn't get goals from the Detroit Red Wings or the St. Louis Blues. So I'm not sure how hard those guys tried on this final night of the regular season. And the Canucks end up uh, going to overtime, get a single point that bumped them in front of St. Louis, and then they end up getting the bonus point as well. So the Canucks finished the year 38-37-7. That's 83 points. It's down nine from the 92 that they finished with last year. So uh, a massive underachievement, uh, massive disappointment overall for the Vancouver Canucks. And they will have the 11th best odds in the draft lottery when the ping pong balls are drawn on the 8th of May. Coyote ugly. Eh? You had that one in the chamber yeah, for sure. I know sure. you did. Well, uh, a couple of benchmarks that didn't get reached. Uh, the Kuzmenko 40 goals. We were, of course, looking for that. You mentioned the Pedersen. Uh, hopefully it looked early on that he might have a good shot at getting there. He doesn't get there. But the one that I was focusing on the most this year, maybe more than the 100 points even for, for Elias Pedersen, was those 70 assists for Quinn Hughes. Just about got there. Just about. But finishes uh, with 69. Nice. But uh, it would have been good if he had got there tonight. But uh, we, as we were texting back and forth, he had uh, the third assist, he said. <laughs> <laughs> on the on Garland's first of the night. Yes. They, they, no, it was the second of the night, I guess. The Burroughs uh, and Kuzmenko get the assist. But uh, the puck was drawn back to Hughes at the point, And then he kind of rotated and switched places with Kuzmenko. And he handed the puck off. And so it went Kuzmenko to Burroughs and then off the skate of Garland and in. And so, yeah, third assist for Hughes on that one. He ends up with three on the night. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad for him because he'd gone six without a point. And yeah, I, I do think that it's the kind of thing that would have bothered him through the off season. Well, it's a lifetime for been, him. Yeah, exactly. If he'd been skunked, especially given the quality of the opponent that they were playing and the way yeah. that, you know, goals were going in in this one. So Quinn Hughes finishes with three on the night, 76 freaking points for Quinn Hughes Amazing. on the season. Like it really is. You got to tip your cap to him. Uh, JT Miller. Ends up with 50 assists. He also scored in the hockey game. He had a helper on the Garland goal. So 32 and 50 for JT Miller, 82 points in the 81 games. He missed that one off down to Dallas. So better than a point a game for JT Miller. And Elias Pettersson, 
102 points. Got to 100 the other night and 101 in Anaheim, and then uh, his 39th goal of the season. So 39 goals, 63 helpers, 102 points for Elias Pettersson. We spent a lot of the postgame the other night talking about him when he got to the century mark, but uh, those are the final numbers for him, 102 points. An incredible season. It's just... It's just too bad that uh, for all the individual accomplishments and all of the individual success, uh, that this team is nowhere close to being a playoff team. Yeah, that's uh, what the first time in just over a decade that uh, someone's reached 100, over 100 points. So that is the one, two, three, four, fifth highest amount of points by in a single season by Elias Pettersson with that 102 points. So a fantastic year for him. But if you if we said at the start of the year, you know, Elias Pettersson's going to have 102 points. You know, JT Miller is going to be right up there, point of game guy. Uh, Quinn Hughes is going to be close to a point of game guy. You go, oh yeah, playoff team, right? <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, and this no, team I won't... Yeah, I mean, the, and the addition just insert uh, a complete wild card in Andre Kuzmenko, mm. who gets you thirty nine exactly. yeah. goals that they didn't yeah. have on the roster last year, and still finishing uh, a mile out of the playoffs. And, and we've known that for a while. And obviously, the coaching change. Uh, you know, that happened back on the 22nd of January. If you're wondering about Rick Tockett, the record under Rick Tockett, 20 wins, 12 outright losses, and four OTL or SOLs. So uh, he coaches 36 games and he wins 20 of them. You know, it's interesting. Uh, and I tweeted this out and I, I reposted it uh, right at the end of the game. On March the 5th, I said, hey, there's 20 games to go. The Canucks uh, schedule is soft here. They have seven of the remaining 20 against playoff-bound opponents, or at that time, teams that were above the playoff bar. And I asked people, you know, what's their final record going to be over these final 20 games? As it turned out, the Canucks went 13-5-2 and in their final 20. So they won 13 of their final 20 games. Here's the kicker in all of that. Like, if you're thinking... All right, 13 of their final 20. This is something to build on for next year. Rick Tockett putting his systems in place. You know, this is what management wanted when they made the coaching change in, in mid-January. 13-5-2 and two over their final 20. Three of those 13 wins were against playoff teams. Yeah, see? And we talked about that when the schedule softened, right? For Rick yep, Tommy, absolutely. Boudreaux talked about it himself. No, but I mean, that is the reality. So yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, for everything that we've seen now under Rick Tockett, and which we saw last year as well, when they got the Bruce bump, you have to take it all with a grain of salt and realize that every season is different. It's not going to be carry over here. You know, if people say, oh, if Tockett was there all year, they'd be a penalty. But if Demko was injured all year as well, or most of the year as well. So there's so many factors into this team, but you do have to like the way that they're playing on the, on the, on the way out of this season, right? Some tankists might not like it. But if you're trying to find some positives here, and that's what we you know, try to do here from time to time, that's something you can definitely look at and go, they were playing better, they're tracking that way, but again, every season is different. Yeah, I, look, they leaned a lot on their top-end guys. That was a storyline that we charted, uh, you know, maybe not as much these last couple, and they did get Colin Dealey in for two of the final three. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Thatcher Demko's return obviously gave them uh, a boost, and he gave them the kind of goaltending that was going to allow the Canucks to win games against inferior competition. And on a lot of nights when they had Colin or when they had Thatcher Demko going, you know, they had better goaltending than the guys at the end of the night, at the other end of the ice. Even in this one, they play the backup, Colin Delia, Carl Vamelka, and there was some question because throughout the day, everybody thought that uh, 
Provsov or whatever his name is, Provsov, uh, Provi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. You know, it, it, the thinking was that he, and apparently he led the Coyotes out for the warm up. So I'm not sure what changed there, but uh, Carl Vimelka, the uh, right handed catching goaltender, uh, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very, I mean, the Canucks got four. I think Shorty said on the broadcast the first time that they've scored four in a first period since early, like in 2021. So it's been a couple of years uh, since the Canucks absolutely jumped all over an opponent and now did some damage on the power play, went two for two in the first period, uh, two for four on the night with the man advantage. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Canucks weren't great in this hockey game. They benefited from a power play that was effective and, you know, the last two games against the Ducks and the Coyotes, the Canucks strike twice each with the man advantage in those games. Guess what? Arizona loses. So they finish with one win in their last 12 hockey games. And Anaheim lost the other night, and that was 12 in a row without a win for them. So, again, context matters here. Like, we can say, hey, they played better under Rick Tockett down the stretch, whatever. They were playing teams that were absolutely going nowhere. And so I do think it makes the assessment difficult for management. How much do you buy into what Rick Tockett was able to do with this group? How much do you buy into the fact that Elias Pedersen continued to push hard down the stretch and Quinn Hughes and JT Miller, and yet some of these guys that got an early Rick Tockett bump went really quiet. Over the last little while, like Dakota, Dakota Joshua, Joshua went, went yep. the final 10 games without a goal. He had a nice chance in the second period. In fact, he had the only shot in the second period. That backhand chance uh, <laughs> came 13 minutes into the second before the Canucks got a shot. Um, and then I think Kuzmenko had that chance, the brutal giveaway right in the late in the second that originally was credited as a shot, but I think it actually hit the crossbar. And, it did, and yeah. that's why they took the, the shot away. But Dakota Joshua goes the final 10 without a goal. It's not all about goals in the role that he plays, but did you really notice him much over the final 10 games? I would suggest no. And Nils Amon, who, again, found money overall is a good news story for the Canucks, but there's still questions about, you know, what exactly can he be? What's his ceiling? And I'm not talking about offensively, but started strong, then faded, got sent to the minors, came back, and it was the same thing. Started strong after his stint in the American Hockey League, and I he faded to, to the finish here. 17 games without a goal. And again, you're not looking for a ton of offense from him, but good teams get contributions from lower in the lineup. And so, again, through all this evaluation, it's hard to sort of separate Pedersen and Hughes and Miller and the power play that scored. We talked about this the other night, the, you know, more power play goals this season than any Canuck season since 2011. So, uh you know, you want to have a good power play and the component parts are there to continue to have a, a really strong power play for the, the next bunch of years. But if you strip that away and you strip away the top end scoring, there are still lots of unanswered questions and you can't get fooled by a hat trick on the final night of the season against the Arizona Coyotes. This was a disappointing year for Connor Garland. Brock Besser's goal scoring was nowhere close to where he wanted it to be. Uh, you know, and so those are all questions that, uh, you know, the management group will have to try to figure out in the offseason. And obviously those will be talking points in a market like this one. Yeah. And as you focus in on, on the, on the forwards there, you know, uh, even Ilya Mikheyev, you know, getting injured, right? That's not great for the Canucks. Anthony Beauvillier fading as well. You know, had yeah. small stretches, but he sort of faded. Uh, Sheldon Dries, like I think we've 
determined what Sheldon drives is. You like the, you know, double digits goals that he scored this year, but the reality is he's a quad a player. Now it, maybe there's something with PDG. You like the hustle, but there's not a lot of production behind that as well. So yeah, you're right. There's a lot of question marks. A lot of them uh, are focused up front, but the blue line <laughs> needs a lot of work as well. This is a, a flawed team. And yeah, you're right. You can't really take that final stretch and, and think that this will just turn over into a team that'll be a playoff team. Cause it's just not going to work that way. And I don't think it's a Sustainable with this this roster right now, far too many holes and and a lot of things to do in the offseason for the Canucks. A lot of big decisions to make too, right? Like, was this the last game for Brock Besser? Was this a lot last game for for Connor Garland? You know, but is Tyler Myers played his last game as a Canuck? So a yeah, lot of things to go further down the list. And just as we get back to the game itself, you know, Kyle Burroughs is on an expiring contract. If this is it for him, if he wants to seek a bigger opportunity somewhere. A uh, local guy, and he likes playing in Vancouver, but I think he also likes playing on a on a regular basis. And he got that chance down the stretch with all the other injuries. Uh, and you have to give him like a world of credit for sticking up and being just the consummate teammate and one of the few guys on this group uh, after Luke Shen got traded away that that was willing to play that role and gave up what like four or five inches and probably 25 he had pounds to jump to... on that first punch it looked like <laughs> no i'm serious it looked no, like I... he literally had to like get up on his toes almost josh brown's a big boy but yeah, he is. it's like brown caught nils Oman and it, you know he kind of hung a leg yeah. like, no, you no. know he got the penalty and that was the right call i'm not saying it would be anything more than a penalty but kyle burrow's last game of the season like you know there's a lot of guys i think that would just turn a blind eye and think you know what like i'm a couple of uh minutes away from being able to you know just call it a a night and call it a season and and head off to the sunset but you know sticking up but he can't be that comfortable though right as well like to him that might be might have been oh this is my last moment to sort of you know show what i can do here you know show what what i do here around here as well and whether it's to this management group or one of the other 31 around the national hockey like like, hey i like the jump in that guy and and again like you know the canucks have philip ronick like he's going to be the linchpin on the right side uh, Ethan Bear, he needs a contract. So I, you know, I, my guess is he'll be back. But, you know, you look at Ethan Bear and, you, you know, I, I, I don't dislike the player. Like, I think there's a lot of good in Ethan Bear. I truly believe that he's uh, an NHL defenseman. It's the price, though, right? But, you know, the, the output against the price. Like, yeah. can you find a guy that can basically do those things? But, at a fraction of the cost that he provides. Because ultimately, there isn't much, certainly in a lot of offense, in Ethan Bear's game. And, you know, at times he spent portions of the season playing with Quinn Hughes. You think you would, some of the, you, know, you just think you'd get the puck to Hughes and, and let him do his thing, and that would work into some offense and some points. Uh, there just isn't a whole lot there in terms of individual stats for Ethan Bear. We don't know about the future for Tyler Myers. And then you get to a guy like Kyle Burroughs. Uh, what does this management group, like when the Canucks hat were healthy, he had trouble getting in the lineup. So, you know, he played out of necessity. He's got some versatility, can play both sides. Again, I, I just, I salute the guy for not just tonight, but all season long has fought literally uh, for his job with the Vancouver Canucks. And and I, I, like, I think other teams would value him as a depth guy. And my hunch is the Canucks would as well, but it's about opportunities. And so it's not just as simple as, oh yeah, bring him back. We like his his fighting spirit. Uh, he may want to play the market here and see what's out there and what's available to him. And he's a right shot guy. So there's a, a premium on that. You know, I, I, I don't know. I honestly, I, I'm not sitting here and saying he won't be back. I just don't know because I haven't had that opportunity to talk to him. And I'm not sure that uh, anybody really knows 
you know, what does he value at this stage of his career? Like he, he knows what he's got here in Vancouver, but if this defense is trying to get better, uh, he may always just be a depth guy and maybe he's content with that, but maybe he wants to seek an opportunity where he can be more of an every night player in the national hockey league. Yeah. Straight UFA as well. So he's got his choice and, uh, you know, he'll be 28 in July. So, you know, for Kyle Burroughs, this is definitely, you know, his time to, you know, try to get himself some footing, try to get himself a contract in the NHL where he can get himself a, you know, perhaps a couple of years. Maybe it's not going to be from the Vancouver Canucks. Maybe it will be. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have a lot of time to unpack all of this yep. as we move along. Uh, b- before we head into uh, here from the, the head coach, um, Cole McWard out there in, on three on three, a little, little nugget there for the, uh, for the young man, you think? Yeah, I, I think maybe it was an opportunity to see what he could do. Um, you know, they, they played some overtime against Calgary. Was that his second game in the National Hockey League? I think it was. Uh, and, and you know, there were significant stakes then still for the Flames trying to win that hockey game. Um, I, I just think final end of the season, like, he skates well. Lots of room out there. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. We saw that the other night in Anaheim with the seven-shot attempts. So, yeah, I mean, that's my read on that is that in a mean-nothing game uh, where if the puck wound up in the net, it really wasn't going to affect anything. Uh, why not give him an opportunity, see what he can do. He's rangy, but he, yeah, he's looked pretty mobile and, uh, I didn't mind from what I, what I saw from him. And certainly we've spent lots of times talking, talking about Akito Hiroshi. Uh, it wasn't his best night. He and Tyler Myers paired together. I think they were on the ice for at least two of the Phoenix goals. And I'm not pinning them directly on him, but I just think there have been stronger nights, uh, for him individually and his pairing. But, uh, again, like, you know, it, it will be really interesting to see where Hiroshi falls when the dust settles on this team, what they do in the off season, where does he fit in? Because I just think he did so much in such a short period of time to put his best foot forward, to sort of play himself into this conversation of a guy that could be here as part of this group moving forward. And two weeks ago, he wasn't even property of the Vancouver Canucks. So what a late season story, the addition of Akito Hiroshi into a, a lesser degree, Cole McWard, who, you know, I think acquitted himself nicely. This team is short on right side guys, whether it's at uh, the top end or even down on the farm. And, you know, a cool story to see him get that goal the other night against the Calgary Flames. I don't know how many NHL goals he'll score moving forward, but he's got one. And that's more than you and I have. And it's more than a lot, you know, like you can't take it away from him. So uh, even in a short span for him, I think uh, he covered a, a fair bit of ground. There's still time for us, J. Pat. There's still time. Oh, I don't know, man. My skills are diminishing on a, <laughs> on a daily basis. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, and Free Casino Games. Make a play today. Just the head coach to speak to us tonight, J-Pat. Uh, 
Although he wasn't all that fond of his team's game. You know, it's a weird game, right? I thought the Coyotes really worked hard in the season, the second or third. We got the, the win, but, you know, it's one of those games uh, I think both teams just want to get the season over with. <laughs> he, he knows. He's been there as a player, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty blunt assessment. He's been there on the other side with the Arizona yeah. Coyotes uh, and missed the playoffs a bunch of times as well. But, look, I, I'm glad to hear that. Like, if this is all part of evaluating this group, then don't give him a free pass even in game 82. Like, this is part of the evaluation. Connor Garland, great. Like, you dug in, you got a hat trick. I think I read somewhere after the game. Garland becomes the first player in NHL history to complete his first career hat trick in overtime in the last game of the season. So really? that's, that's wow. qualifying, <laughs> but but there you go. Doing something that nobody's ever done. Uh, you can tackle on in a 5,000 seat arena on a college campus too. But uh, um, look, like we talked before the game about, you know, this is an opportunity, maybe the last chance for a Jack Stadnika or an Aiden McDonough or, you know, some of these young guys we talked about, uh, Amon and Joshua. Anthony Bavillier made a nice play on Garland's power play goal when he wheeled through the zone and he stuck with it. He got his shot away. He got his own rebound, circles the net, finds Garland for the one-timer. So I don't want to say that Bovillier didn't do anything in the hockey game, but an even strength on a line with Studnika and McDonough. The shot attempts were 17-3 to for the Coyotes. The actual shots on goal were 9-2. to So... Like, it's a bit of a mishmash, Bovillier with Stunica, and then you've got Aiden McDonough, who's been in and out of the lineup. But still, like, that's a that's a tough night at the office. Like, when you're just defending, 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 and for Stunica, if that's kind of your last stand, like, that doesn't leave management with a whole lot to remember you by. And Aiden McDonough made a nice defensive play early in the hockey game. But uh, other than that, uh, again, like... You know, I I thought he was better in Anaheim the other night. This was another night where there just wasn't a whole lot there in his game. And he's such a big body. I want to see him use that effectively. And uh, I don't know. I just like, you you, you know, me and do something. Yeah. Uh, there were, I, I wanted a bunch of guys to do something. And so I, I don't blame Rick Tockett for thinking that, yeah, his team kind of went through the motions. And I think they felt pretty comfortable when they were up four to one. Yeah, and the thing is with Aiden McDonough, at least he's got a little bit, of, you know, a little bit of time on his side, considering you know where he's at in his development. But for a guy like Jack Stadnika, like you're absolutely right. Like this was your final chance to to show out and show what this show this organization that you know they want to keep you. And I don't know if that's really the case with Jack Studnika. Uh, the head coach was asked about Garland, by the way, and he didn't expand too much on it, but he did say that he thought he was one of the, you know, the only guys that was going tonight for the Canucks and, you know, said that he was good for him uh, during his time as the head coach of the Coyotes as well. Tockett was asked to assess the the season that he had with the Canucks as well, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, some good things and some stuff we have to work on here. We have a ways to go. Um, got four months to to get ourselves ready for the for the training camp. So that's what, you know, the teams that don't make the playoffs, you got to utilize that four months off. Uh, how do you get better? There it is right there. <laughs> Classic Rick talking. Big you summer li- ahead. Yeah. You lift tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's, a, tomorrow's a lift day. Saturday's it's leg day. Um, <laughs> I, 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 we don't know at this point. There was some rumblings that Saturday would be the locker clean out and the last media availability with the players. We're expecting that we'll hear from Talkin at least one more time and probably 
Uh, Patrick Alvine, maybe in the same availability. Uh, there was some suggestion that would happen as early as Monday. So again, those will be firmed up in the days ahead. And I'm sure you'll see them on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk about it here on Rinkwide. And, and certainly whenever the players talk, uh, we'll break down what they did and had to say and, and do an episode then. And, and obviously after Patrick Alvine, uh, we, you know, we, since the trade deadline, we really haven't heard from Alvine and, I guess to his credit, Jim Rutherford, that, that introductory press conference today that Tockett was hired, he said he was going to clam up and that uh, he wasn't going to stop talking. And we really haven't heard from Rutherford. So I don't know if he'll be part of uh, the management group that will meet with the media, but uh, certainly Patrick Alvin would be, I would think. And so uh, interested to get his take on, uh, again, the honest assessment of this team down the stretch that won a lot of games against a lot of other bad teams, and it boosts their point total. And as we said, uh, the 11th best odds. They've got a chance. You're telling me they got a chance. They do. 3% to win the lottery. And, of course, lotteries are set up for failure. I mean, even the Anaheim Ducks, who finished dead last, uh, you know, they got a 25% chance of winning, but a 75% chance that somebody else is going to win. That's how lotteries are structured. So yeah, Ducks may have the best odds, but that doesn't mean that they've got good odds uh, to win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. One final time, Jay Pat with my Bodog best bet. I went to the well maybe a little too often on this one. I was three for four with Andre Kuzmenko anytime goal scorer uh, bets earlier this year. Went for the fifth time tonight. Thought it was going to be, uh, I thought for sure they were going to look for him all night to try to get him that 40, but he didn't. So I didn't hit on that one. I finish off the season now. 34 wins and 48 losses, and uh, we'll tally it up. Like I said, we'll do it on the uh, non-game day pod here and uh, get the totals of what uh, we made the people or what I made the people. But listen, I'm pretty proud of that. 34 wins, not too bad. You know, I think next year I'm going to set the goal at 50-50. That's really what I want. I want 41 next year. That's my goal. So hopefully we can get there. That'd be a good bump. And and look, you put your neck out there night in, night out, and you're not going to win them all. And ultimately you didn't. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no shame in 34, but you're within striking distance of uh, certainly a 500 season. So, you know, if you have a big summer, if you train hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I will say this, though. I was a little surprised. And and now maybe I shouldn't have been based on the comments the other night. Like, I almost felt like Rick talked it through a little shade on BD's 100 points where he talked about, like, yeah, you know, individual things are good, but like it's time to get some team records. And, um, so maybe based on that, like I, I, I would have loaded up Kuzmenko. I would have played him with Pedersen, maybe Pedersen and Miller. I certainly would have put him on the first power play unit. And the fact that they did none of that in this game certainly diminished his chances of ever getting that 40th goal, but he did hit the post on the back end on that giveaway late in the second period. That's sort of as close as he came. So, um, you know, he did get two assists. So he boosts his point total, but ultimately 40 would have been a nice round number. No shame in 39 in the first year in the National Hockey League, adjusting to a new league and a new country and new teammates and all that kind of stuff and two head coaches. Uh, So an incredible season for Andre Kuzmenko, don't get me wrong, 
But man, I was pulling for the guy to get 40, and I just it would have been nice to see him put in a little bit better position. But he did get the first shift in overtime. I like that. He was out there with Petey, and I thought, hey, maybe this is the way that he's going to get there, or one of them will get there. Ultimately, they didn't, but Connor Garland uh, finishes up strong, gets the uh, third of the night and the, the winner at 119 of overtime. Okay, so we had a special today with our Bodog Bucks. We doubled it, what we were giving away. We had $100 in Bodog Bucks to give away, and we specifically said you had to comment on the YouTube pregame show. Thank you to everyone, by the way. A few of you tried to still do it on Twitter. We pushed you to YouTube. We wanted to get you guys over to our YouTube channel. And and listen, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. We'll have some more content in the offseason on there as well. But... We stuck it to the comments there and check this out. Rich H on YouTube guest for the game winning goal time and period 90 seconds into OT. So one thirty, And he said for bonus points, Connor Garland with the winner, Woo-hoo! the OT winner was scored at a buck 19 <laughs> into overtime. So he Rich was 11 seconds wow. off. And he called Connor. Gar- I wish I had more to give you here right now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way, but damn, what a way to finish up. Uh, yeah. fin- talk about finishing strong, Connor Garland did, but uh, that's a nice pick, Rich. Thanks so much uh, for playing along with us, getting your guests in, going above and beyond with the, the game winner as well. And just a quick thought here, too. Uh, you know, before the season, we came up with this sort of tagline or slogan of pregame, postgame, every game. And that included these YouTube pregame shows that we introduced to the market, not really knowing, you know, kind of where it would take us, what we would do from game to game. It turned into a terrific project. Like I, I enjoyed doing, I never thought at this stage of my career that I'd, I'd be a YouTube, I can't say star, but uh, I'd be a YouTuber. Um, but it was, you know, it was something different. It's different than anything that's out there in the market. We were consistent. We did do it 82 times, 82 pregames, 82 postgames as well. So uh, a lot of fun coming on, breaking down. I've all, I mean, the postgame space has always been my favorite hosting postgame back at CKNW in the day at 1040. And to have the opportunity to do this with you on a nightly basis and the way it's been received in the market. And this is our second year digging in. And, you know, I hope we're just getting started. And I can only imagine what this would be like on nights oh, where they were building to the playoffs yeah. and then ultimately on coming on after playoff games in this market. So uh, we hope to keep this thing going strong to get to that point, and let's hope that the Canucks can can get to that point as well. But I just wanted to uh, – I had fun with you or producer Aaron, um, and, you know, I, I think we're planning to come back with the pregame – podcast in the you know we'll oh, step yeah. back we'll and, and assess yeah yep. I mean, we'll assess what worked for us and and where we have to tweak and you know we'll have a big summer too and, and come back strong uh starting in the fall super jealous of our colleagues in toronto right now i, I know you can yeah. make the toronto first round joke and all that stuff but even if it is only a first round seven games whatever it might be like they still get to do it and then if they go on, oh my, it's going to be even better for them. So uh, again, jealous on that regard because I wish we were doing, I wish we were getting set for, you know, a first round matchup with, you know, maybe McDavid and the Oilers or, you know, the Golden Knights or something like that. Maybe even Seattle at some point here. Who knows? Well, maybe and next we year. should mention as well that, you know, I, this is a Canucks post game pod. We deal with hardcore Canucks fans, but the Canucks aren't going to the playoffs. Uh, if there's somebody that wants to, you know, latch on to one of the Canadian teams and thinks that they're going to back the Leafs and this is the year. 
Uh, there is a rink-wide Toronto, David Alter and his co-hosts. And so if you're looking for post-game material into the playoffs, may we suggest you stay with the rink-wide brand and the rink-wide family and check out rink-wide Toronto. And, and David does a fantastic job. If you love rink-wide Vancouver, he is essentially us out over there. You know, it's an unbiased, just thoroughly breaking down games. Uh, he does a fantastic job with Rob Wong and also Paul Hendrick. And if you're familiar with Paul Hendrick and Leaf games, like even the guy was doing basically Murph's job for like 20 years doing that as well. So they have a great team there. So you're absolutely right. All right, let's get into a game and a hashtag here, which is presented by our buddies, the Delaney's out at OK Tire on Fraser Highway in Langley. We'll kick things off with Josh, the Zamboni guy who says hashtag cheeky Garland grin. Very cheeky. Love that goal, too. Uh, Graham says, hashtag Cheech. This will be a theme here. <laughs> uh, Farmer Josh says, hashtag golfing in an AZ tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Hashtag hit the links. Although they're probably getting out of town right now. And Paul they're on says, their way back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul says, hashtag a Garland showcasing trick. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Big Sven says, hashtag a thank you Cheech. Uh, he sent it again, actually, but this time he didn't have it in all caps. So, Sven, we got it. Uh, Irving says the same thing. Thanks, Cheech. Andy says that as well. Don says it's finally over. David follows it up with the same thing. Same with Ty. And then we'll finish with Ty here, who says big summer starts now. Now. Like yes. you said, tomorrow is uh, hitting the weights. And then what'd you say? Mm -hmm. Leg day on oh, is it Sunday? Is it? Yeah, right. lift day tomorrow and leg day on <laughs> Saturday. Um, just one. Ask JPAT here, and you don't have to fully give this because we are going to have some time, but just like, you know, they want to know what your assessment of the season is. And there's probably three different people asking this right now. Yeah, it was disappointing. I, I don't care how you come at it. 83 points with this group and all of the individual accomplishments and all of the offense, but offense sells tickets. It doesn't ultimately win you championships and and there's just so much work that has to be done reshaping this defense core, trying to get the salary structure and the cap allocation of the defense. You know, I, I tweeted this out last night because Nikita Zadorov in Calgary had a hat trick. Nikita Zadorov scored all yeah. three of the Flames' goals in their season-ending win over San Jose. He had more goals in that one game, or as many goals in that one game as every Canuck defender this season with the exception of Quinn Hughes, and Hughes finishes with seven goals, which is not a glorious total, but it's twice as many as anybody else uh, that plays the position for the Canucks. And, and my point is that goals can be scored by defensemen. Now, offense wasn't an issue, so maybe this is way down on the priority list, but I think you have to look at it differently. I'm not saying, oh, the Canucks need 25 more goals from the defense. I think it speaks to the... Just the, the flawed roster construction, the type of players they've got, but the type of players that they can access because they've got such bloated contracts. And, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson used to score a bunch of goals, but he's not the player that he was in Arizona. And I don't know what his future is with the Canucks. If he's back, what does he look like? What's his role? I don't know what Tyler Myers' future is with the Vancouver Canucks, but I, I just don't think they can come back with both of those guys. And I'm not expecting that they will, uh, but it's about allocating the money differently. I think Philip Ronick will change the conversation i i think i would expect that he'll push double digits he's got a big yeah. shot and um you know he's gonna play a lot but it, it, again it's just another area that they're flawed that this defense is just not the right component parts that's not the right mix and you saw that on way too many nights this season so 
Uh, I'm not getting fooled by what happened down the stretch. Like, I'm not buying a ton that, oh, Rick Tockett's got the Midas touch, and this team is, you know, this is a launch pad. And look, we all got fooled by last year. They're going to, you know, pick up where they left off. And all those guys that said playoffs were bust at the outset, you know, they're all going to say it again next year at training camp. But I think people are going to say, you know, talk is cheap. You show me 10 games in that you're still with the pack and 20 games in you're still with the pack. I mean, they fell behind, obviously, the winless in their first seven. They were pretty much done. They were pretty much done seven games into this past season. Like they were playing so much catch up, even by the seven game mark. And you're just chasing and chasing and chasing. And then Demko got hurt, obviously. And that was certainly a huge part of the storyline, but also the fact that they rolled the dice on going with an unproven backup. And that came back to, to bite them in the butt as well. So, um, just so much work ahead for. Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford and this management group. And, you know, they brought in some nice pieces, a lot of wins in free agency, whether it was European free agents or, uh, you know, some of these college guys look like they are going to be, you know, and, and even if they just bolster what they've got in Abbotsford, like that's a win for the organization too, that guys were willing to listen to them and, and, you know, decide that the Canucks organization was where they wanted to be. So, there are some pieces they have to repeat that if they can go out and find a few more free agents at you know a value cost that can come in here and help this hockey club uh is Ilya Mikheyev going to be completely healthy does he you know like we're talking about a knee and this guy I mean that's his meal ticket does he still have that you know next year that's higher than a lot of guys in the National Hockey League because clearly we didn't see a a 100% Ilya Mikheyev at any point before they shut him down so uh, they don't have a lot of room to to maneuver. They're st- I, I still think that they've got to trade away at least one big piece to try to create some cap space. The salary cap's not going up by an awful lot for next year. They're already over the cap with their commitments, and we're months away from them starting next season. So uh, they're going to sit on the sidelines while 16 teams compete for the Stanley Cup. We've got two matchups in the West set now. Second year in a row, Edmonton and L.A. are going to go at it. Can the Kings slow down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Uh, we'll see about that. And we learned that Vegas clinches the division. They're going to take on Winnipeg in round number one. And that's a rematch of that year that Vegas beat Winnipeg to, to go to the Stanley Cup final in its inaugural season. The other two matchups uh, still to be determined. There's games tomorrow. There are games on yeah. Friday. There are two games. And, uh, you know, it's going to go right down to the wire. Colorado's playing on Friday. So, um, you know, for the Vancouver Canucks, it's, it's a, it's, it has to be another massive and busy off season. And again, in a market like this one, no stone's going to be left unturned in terms of talking points. We'll be all over it. We're not going anywhere here with rink wide. The game stopped, but we certainly don't. And so, uh, you know, we will continue to, uh, chip away and, you know, hammer away at, uh, what we think are the main talking points, uh, for this hockey club moving forward. Yeah. And just to give you some per- perspective as well for the Canucks, if they had a limped into the playoffs this year in one of those wildcard spots, yeah, you're either playing the Vegas Golden Knights or right now the Dallas Stars, but it could be the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. So like that's your opponent if you're one of those wildcard teams. So that just shows you the hill that the Canucks have to climb, right? To be able to get themselves. Cause I mean, you don't want to be in that wildcard spot. You know, you no, want to be in that three spot people, in the Pacific. Now, Canuck supporters would say, hey, they swept Dallas. They beat Dallas every time they played them this year, and they did. Um, Playoff, but, maybe. But you're at four out of seven, and uh, you know, I'm not sure that the Stars were at their best. Uh, 
you know, whatever. Uh, when we talked earlier about the Canucks and some of the, you know, they didn't win many games against playoff teams, but late in the season, they did beat the Dallas Stars three times. So go figure, for whatever reason, that matchup, that Trudemko's return to the lineup was against the Stars, and then they beat them two other times. So, um, you know, they did beat Dallas. They, for whatever reason, they seem to have Dallas's number. Uh, but yes, you're playing with fire. If, and, and again, you, you can't aspire to be a wild card team. Like, raise the bar. Like, yeah. you know, try to build a championship team. And if you fall a little bit short, just be a playoff team. But don't say, like, we just want to scrape in uh, on the last day of the season. Like, I, I think this group from ownership on down has to aspire. They've got to figure out what's it going to take to get this team back to where it was you know, 15 years ago when it was starting to build to what turned out to be a game seven of the Stanley Cup final. Ultimately, if they get there again, people want them to get it right this time. But, you know, that was that was the best team in the National Hockey League in the regular season, certainly, and came up one win short. And this team right now is just so far away from uh, what that 2011 team had top to bottom. You talked about goals from the blue line there, uh, and I think Quinn Hughes is going to take it upon himself this offseason to try to better himself as a goal scorer. I just, it feels like he's one of those guys that looks at that and sort of glares at it, you know. Also, too, did you see what his brother did tonight? I did his, his little brother, yeah. <laughs> Luke? <laughs> wow, yeah, a little dangle there, some skill yeah. cut into yeah. the middle, and then the wraparound and first NHL goal in overtime. Uh, did you see uh, Quinn? when he took the penalty in the third period and he came out of the penalty box and they had three defensemen on the ice. They had Myers and they had Hiroshi and I loved it. Last game of the season, Quinn was like, perfect. I'm yeah. a rover. Look out. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I don't mind that. Like I wouldn't mind like just to sort of throw that out as a wild card at times next year. Like put him up front, let him play some shifts. Like as this game evolves, what's stopping mm-hmm. your best player from just, I mean, plays a lot already. Why not give him a couple of shifts on a wing? I, I, hey, the Leafs I, did it with Connor Timmons. The guy admitted he had <laughs> never played forward in his life. Like not even in minor hockey. Quinn Hughes, why not? Let's do it. I'm all yeah. for it. All right. One last time here, J-Pat, who did something in this game presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Yeah, Connor Garland made it easy for me. We talked the other night about maybe the easiest decision when Petey got to 100. I think this is a pretty easy decision as well because there weren't many guys that were motoring in this hockey game. Liam O'Brien, he did something for the Arizona Coyotes. But from a Canucks standpoint, uh, Kuzmenko had a hat trick early in the season and Connor Garland goes out with a bang. Goals 15, 16, 17 on the year. Number 17 was the winner. A buck 19 into overtime. So Connor Garland is... The final did something candidate of this season. And this is your last chance for now on the postgame version, at the very least, to get in on the $25 gift card to the Dutch. And wouldn't that be a great way to go into the weekend? Uh, go to the Dutch, you drop down 25 bucks on rink wide, and you think of Wadden and myself as you're eating your <laughs> pan of cooking there. <laughs> That's not a condition of winning the prize, no, you by don't the have way. To do but that. <laughs> might turn <laughs> you off your breakfast, actually. <laughs> but if you want to get in 25 bucks uh, for BC's best breakfast, the hashtag tonight is rinkwide thanks you. And we do. For your support, loyal listeners all season long, viewers of the YouTube as well. You guys have been with us. And uh, again, it's what uh, drives us to do what we love to do and get a chance to do. And hopefully we'll uh, keep going here uh, next year and beyond. So rink-wide, thanks you is the hashtag to get in on the $25 gift card to the Dutch. And as always, did something presentation 
of Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. He's been a big supporter of this program, Securus and Price as well, and we're nothing without our clients. So uh, our thanks to all of our partners who have backed us and, again, allow us to do what we do here. And Jason is at the uh, top of that list and uh, has been terrific to work with. And so we thank him for his support. And, again, he's here to save you money. That's what he does. He's a mortgage broker. And if you are you know, a first-time buyer or if your mortgage is up for renewal, do yourself a favor and reach out to a pro like Jason Hominick. He's been at this for 30 years, knows the ins and outs and the tricks of the trade, and can get you the best product for you and your family. So don't go it alone. Uh, lean on a pro like Jason Hominick. Reach out with a phone call. Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. He's got dot .mortgage. Like, I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> if you need a mortgage, you go to the guy that's got dot .mortgage. Yeah, many thanks, of course, to all our sponsors and, of course, uh, to everybody that's listened and sent in the did something hashtags. We got four of them that are up right now, so you can better your odds to win that uh, breakfast. Uh, so you have to send in the hashtag rinkwide thanks you into the GoGo Sports inbox at 778-402-9680. That'll get you into that draw. 25 bucks, BC's best breakfast. Check them out at the Dutch. Uh, many thanks, of course, to our producer, Aaron, who's been with us all season long. And, of course, we're not done here. No, we're just far from done, it. Done with the post games. Uh, we'll be with you throughout the uh, the playoffs, right up until free agency as well. All Canuck news, you know where to come to uh, right here. On Rinkwide. Yeah, and it'll start as soon as Friday because you want to dunk yep. on me now that uh, the fantasy draft well, is no, done there, over and out. There is I that. To, I have there to is. donate to your charity yes. of choice. We'll find out who that charity is. Uh, but it's not a total lost cause for me. Hey, I mean, I, uh, I'm i happy to donate to a good cause, but also I get a little bit of revenge in the bow versus bow. So we'll update that as well. And, uh, and I got cocky. Said, I got cocky. That's what it was. I thought, oh, <laughs> Bo Horvat. Like, this, this is going to be Unstoppable. nothing. Unstoppable. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe you took that bet. <laughs> and now I got to eat that damn chip. Like, I think I, it's worse, really, what I have to do. I'd rather donate money <laughs> than have to do this. We'll film it as well, by the way. We'll put it out on our socials so, so I can look like an ass and you guys can make fun of me. But what else? I'm used to it. Yes. Canucks, though, finish off the season. 5-4 OT win over the Coyotes at Mullet Arena. And uh, for one last time, got to say thank you, Cheech. Of course, it's not done with him in terms of uh, his broadcast career. He's just going to be scaling it back a little bit and not on the regional broadcast. But thank you, Cheech. Thank you to you, J-Pat, because it's been a fantastic season. And, of course, uh, thank you to producer Aaron. 5-4 OT win for the Canucks. In Arizona, this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always scores.